What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 174 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam, and you guessed correctly, Dave is here as well. Hello. Uh, bonjour, mon ami. Como ça va? <laughs> oui, ça va. Et toi? <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> Touche, you called my French uh, bluff. Oui, comme si, comme ça. Comme si, comme ça. Zut alors. Très bien. Yeah, man. Ooh, that four and a half years of French has really served me well right now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, doing all right. Doing all right. No one knew that we were minimally bilingual. <laughs> minimally. Minimally. <laughs> yes, what the French call a certain uh, uh, je ne sais yeah. quoi. <laughs> je ne parle pas le français, eh? Anyways, that was interesting. Uh, so you're doing good. Doing all right, yes. So I, as we discussed prior to hitting the record button, um. It's been a rough week, rough few days, but in the whole scheme of things, it feels silly to complain, but I don't think there's, I think God is, uh, God understands and is willing to listen to our, oh, am I allowed to say that (laughs) on our podcast, our complaints, you know. We just—I just, I just don't think you should spend a lot of time there. Yes. He, yeah, he listens. I don't think we spend a lot of time there. Um, you know, I think that's one of the significance of Jesus becoming a human being and living amongst us, as he does understand that. And um, you know, I'm not a big—I'm not a huge pull yourself up by the bootstraps, or you know, just buck up because sometimes that's not what you need. Sometimes you truly need um, professional help. Sometimes you need to go talk to somebody. Sometimes you need, um, but I think we also know when it's just sort of a, I'm okay. I'm feeling sorry for myself when I really shouldn't, or I'm wallowing a little bit in self pity, but um that's what makes life interesting. That makes what's one of the things that makes life worth living is that we have both ups and we have downs, and um, I know I'm much better about pursuing him and seeking him when I'm in the downs and life isn't going so well, which is probably a sad commentary on me, but <laughs> probably probably truer amongst all of us than you know. I think a lot more people can relate to that too. So. Anyway, but yeah. you know, doing doing good, trying to be thankful as we approach the uh regardless of when you're listening to this, Cam and I are recording near the American holiday of Thanksgiving and indeed. I do think it is important to be thankful for what we have because um that is certainly a decision of mind frame that if you operate from you can Day in and day out is a better place to be than <laughs> focusing on what you don't have or why things are going wrong. So uh-huh. anyway, I'll shut up now. 
Well, I, I don't want you to shut up, Dave. We have a whole episode to record. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's going to be really sad if it's just me talking the whole time. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. Yes. So we are going to continue in the book of Hebrews. And we're going to start in chapter 3 at verse 15. We're going to end in chapter 4 at verse 13 because... Whoever put the chapter numbers in Hebrews, I, I, I honestly, I think they just closed their eyes and pointed. <laughs> chapter goes here and here and here and maybe over here too because uh, usually chapter markers are put uh, in between thoughts or at places of conclusion and new thoughts beginning. That is not the case for chapters 4, 5, or 6 in the book of Hebrews as they are stuck just smack dab in the middle of uh, thoughts, which is um, odd and uh, kind of uh, like weird. Like I feel like we're getting trolled a bit by whoever decided to put the chapters here. <laughs> um, maybe they were on a really bumpy you know, horse ride and they meant to put it a few verses down, but they hit a bump at the wrong time and they marked it and it just stuck. Because obviously, not obviously, for those that don't know, chapter and verse markers were added to the Bible transcripts after they were written. When they were written in the original languages, there was no verses, there were no chapters. All that stuff has been added uh, in posterity. So this was certainly a choice by somebody, and I don't understand why they made it. Um, so we're just gonna we're gonna plow through chapter four as if it's not even there. We're just gonna pretend. So we're gonna go three fifteen through four thirteen for those of you taking notes. Um, but the thought will be complete as far as the uh, you know what what the scripture has to say. Yes, I would agree. So shall we uh, shall we have a reading, Dave? As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news comes comes to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has some for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in his passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. 
So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God God rested from his. Let us therefore strive to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and, and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we have given account. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So this carries on, obviously, from uh, what comes before it, our discussion mm-hmm. last couple episodes about, you know, Jesus being greater than Moses and, you know, finding this rest for the people of God. And here we, we see the story carry on about what happened to um, the people that left Egypt under Moses and what happened to them in the, the wilderness in, in the 40 years and all of that. Um you know who were those that heard and still rebelled? Right, the people that were the people that were rescued from slavery in Egypt, who were led out by Moses, who walked through the parted sea, saw the sea behind them close and destroy the army, were led by a pillar of smoke and day, by a pillar of fire at night, were provided fresh food from heaven every single morning when they woke up, and and yet David, and yet. Through all of that, still we're like, God, what the crap, man? The desert sucks. Like, can we get some AC, please? And then (laughs) Moses goes up to a mountain for like a couple of days, and they're like, oh, God's not real. Let's make a cow out of all of our gold, and let's worship it. That cow that we just made five minutes ago is what saved us from Egypt 10 years ago. Like, it is is mind-numbing how wrong the Israelites got it with how much direct contact and direct revelation in, in, in miracles they, they encounter. Right. And it's so easy for me to sit here in my comfy chair in front of my, you know, nice computer and judge them for it. Right. Had I been there, I would have, you know, we've had this discussion multiple (laughs) times on this show, right? No, I'd have been right there. Like, yeah, let's make a cow. Woo. Worship the cow. Um, I'd have been right there along with them. But it's it is very interesting to me, you know, that he the the author of Hebrews is bringing this up again. Like he's he's really hammering home this concept of what the Israelites did and how they were led by Moses versus what we are called to do when we are led by Jesus. And this concept of rest, and this concept of not being in rebellion, and this concept of not having a hard heart. Um, and all of this stuff. And, and like it says here, we see that they were, uh, they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering God's rest still stands, like before, b- before, you know, it still stands. It's still a thing. Let us fear lest any of our souls should seem to have failed to reach it. So he's, he's making, you know, we see this a lot, right? In, in Paul and um, his letters, here's what happened with Israel. Here's what we know to be true. Let us now make the right choice based on what we know to be true and what we've seen in history. Like, let's not let history repeat itself here. Let's make the smart choice and the correct choice 
to enter into the rest that God has for us before it's too late, right? Before it's judgment day. And uh, like, it's, it's a compelling argument that he makes. So there are two things that stand out to me, and that is the uh, hardening of the hearts and entering into the rest. And I mean, for me, there's, those are two things that like, I legitimately am like, what does that mean? Um, because whether we're, you're talking about um, the people that followed, you know, God's chosen people that followed Mo- Moses into the wilderness out of slavery, uh, or you're, you're, you're talking about our lives today. Um, those to me are two things that have like serious implications for our, our, our Christian walk, our journey. Um, in, because, you know, when, when, when I look at Pharaoh and the verses in the Bible that talk about him hardening his heart, there is certainly an element of, well, Pharaoh did not then get the opportunity to experience God. But when I think about God's chosen people and following Moses and wandering in the desert, I don't, I don't have that same conclusion. I don't see that same sort of connection in terms of um, did, the, did the people who are wandering the wilderness for 40 years did they truly harden their heart to the point where they didn't experience God? Because it kind of points out to that. Well, not kind of, but it definitely points out to, uh, you know, whose bodies fell in the wilderness. They died. Right. And so does that mean that they died in, in, in essence of not being connected to God? Did they still have a, a connection to God? That sort of a thing. Um, and then, what does that rest what does that rest mean is that something we experience in this life is that something we experience in the next life and why is experiencing the rest um important why is it something that we strive for why is it something that we want hmm. i have a couple questions when you say when you say pharaoh didn't experience god what do you mean well, again, so so I would I would say there's there's an assumption on my part, um, and I would I probably need to go back and find the exact verse. But there's there's those verses talk about like God allowing uh, Pharaoh's heart to be hardened, and all of those verses to me lean towards a. Um, like a definitive choice to to choose against God, like although he's seeing all these signs, all those, although it's very clear that that the God of Moses, the God of gods, you know, the one true God is the one doing all this. Um, and again, this may be my own sort of like putting meaning on something, so I may be, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just I get this sense of Pharaoh's heart being hardened. Um, really kind of being something that he can't return from. And so I, I, I'm asking these people, the, the Jewish God's chosen people who are wandering in the wilderness, 
with Moses, um, if we harden our hearts as they did in the rebellion, is that the equivalent of what Pharaoh was doing in terms of the plagues and letting the Hebrew people go and that sort of thing? Or is it different? Um, I suspect on some level it's not. So were there people, were there Hebrew people in the desert that, as it says, um, bodies fell in the wilderness that did not have a relationship with God, that were not connected with God, that did not get to experience the promised land? I mean, what does that mean, I guess, is what I'm, uh, I'm getting at to some degree very mm. badly. That's interesting. Because my first thought when you said Pharaoh didn't experience God was, well, yeah, he did. He just experienced well, yeah, I you think know, the, uh, the wrath of God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then, yeah, there is that interesting stumbling point in that story where it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, which has always been tricky to comprehend. Why mm-hmm. would God do that to somebody? Why would, you know, why would God actively harden someone's heart? And is it that person's fault at that point? Is God condemning that person to an unfair, um, uh, what's the word, um, position, destiny, if we want to be grand about it? You know, the bottom line is God can do what God wants to do, right? Because he's God. Mm-hmm. Um, and fairness doesn't come into the equation because if God was fair, well, he wouldn't have saved us. So we can't mm-hmm. we can't embrace salvation and then tell God he's not being fair because salvation's not fair. There's nothing fair or equitable or or deserving about it. No. It's the exact opposite of that. It's it's abundant grace and mercy and forgiveness in in, in you know, a universe that there's a whole lot of that missing. Um, so it, it, it is, th- this whole story is, is, is just a difficult one to try and understand, right? Cause God is, God is actively freeing people from oppression. God is actively leading people out of that oppression into freedom through miraculous signs and wonders. And, and those people are so just, missing everything. Mm-hmm. They're so hit or miss. They're so up and down. They're with God one minute. They're angry at him the next. They're with God another minute. They're banking a cow out of gold. They're with him. They're mad about the food. Like They are so fickle and I'd say unpredictable, but they're pretty darn consistent in their ability to get it wrong. <laughs> and so, yeah, to your point is is the hardening of their heart in the desert different than the hardening of Pharaoh's heart in, in what led to that exodus. And the only thing I can, I can say, and, and I can be, I could be very wrong here. So please Dave, correct me or a listener, correct me. I don't think it ever says in scripture that God hardened the hearts of the Israelites, but it does say that he hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And that is the one, would, dis, that is the one distinct difference that comes to mind as we talk about this. And I don't know how significant that is or is not. 
I'm certainly not an expert on this no. you know, story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's Exodus seven, particularly verse three, where it says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. And it, it goes on from there. Um, But the very people that we're talking about in Hebrews, and particularly in Hebrews 3 through 4 that we're talking about, they are wandering in the desert, like you said, after God releases them from Pharaoh. He gives them an escape route to get away from Pharaoh. Moses is leading them, and um, I, I guess I'm, I'm with you in this in terms of I don't know what the distinction is with Pharaoh and with the Israelites and the hardening of the heart. And is God the one doing it? Is it a choice that they're making? Because it does. It reads, to me, it reads very differently. And particularly in the verse that we're, you know, we're looking at, you know, it, it, um, I'm drawing, I can't find out where it is, but um, do not harden your hearts. This is the very first verse that we looked at. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For those who heard and yet rebelled, was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And whom was he provoked for 40 years? You know, there's an essence of they died in the desert. They would not enter his rest. And again, there's there's that verse of the importance of entering his rest. So I don't yeah. know that I'm going to... Go ahead. Sorry. Before we get to the entering his rest thing, I find it really, really interesting that like if you... And again, I'm recalling here from memory, so I, I could be a bit fuzzy, but if you go back and you read that whole story, right, of of Moses and the Israelites and Pharaoh, it the Pharaoh relents and lets them go. And then his heart is hardened by God. And then he decides, okay, just kidding. Ha ha. Takes you backsies. I'm going to come kill you all. Right. Mm -hmm. So what does it say? What does it say about humans that God has to harden the heart of the emperor who is enslaving an entire people group? so that he can provide a miraculous escape for his people, but then does not have to harden the heart of the people that were saved by miraculous circumstances over and over again, and they still rebel against him. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the person who was enslaving an entire people group saw the power of God who was not culturally or historically relevant to his people, saw his power, saw the truth of him, and said, okay, you can go. And only after God chose to harden that person's heart did he change his mind. But the people who have historically belonged to God and been chosen by God, who were enslaved and who were taken out of slavery through had every reason to trust God and believe God because they had the proof in front of them. They were there when it happened over and over again, and yet God did not have to harden their hearts for them to be re rebellious and to turn their back on him every chance they got. 
Like how messed up are people? (laughs) I mean, like we got some serious like issues, right? Yes. God had to make the bad guy more of a bad guy and didn't have to do jack for the good guys to turn into absolute idiots. It's messed up, man. Yeah, and and then this verse is saying to us as believers, don't you go and do the same thing. Yes. Like it's still very much a yes. hey, don't be doing this. And so yeah, it's it's like we're entitled little children is what it kind of feels like. Mhm. And and I yeah, thank you for bringing it back to what we're actually talking about tonight in that is the is don't yet yeah, don't 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 do that. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of our souls should seem to fail to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Like the opportunity is still there for us, right? The salvation, the the mercy, the forgiveness, the grace, the open invitation to join God in His kingdom, in His family forever, is still there. Like, let us not make the same mistakes again. Let us be grateful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying, through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And I mean, this is this concept right here, right? Today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts. One of the one of the things that I have been really focusing on this last week, 10, 12 days-ish, so let's just call it two weeks, right? Round up, is I've really, really I've really started to get back into just reading the Bible just to read it, not to prep for a lesson, not to prep for a podcast, not to check it off a list, just to read it to read it. Which is wonderful. And it's like, how do I not do this more? Like why? Like, it's just, I don't know, one of those things, right? I think God is just really impressing it on me right now. And in my prayer time, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to listen and trying to listen and trying to listen. And constantly I just, I hear nothing, just silence. And at first I was getting frustrated. Like what the crap, God, like here I am, trying for two whole days to listen for the first time and who knows how long, you know, shut my big mouth, turn my brain off and, and, and just try to listen and you're not anywhere to be found. And what, what I've, what I've, my, the, the conclusion I've come to is that God is patient and I am not. And if I show up for two days trying to listen after a really, really, really long time of not trying to listen and to solve things on my own, why should why should he show up? Why should I not have to wait and be patient myself and be dedicated in the silence to keep showing up and to listen through?
through the silence, right? Like it's, it's one of those things where I don't think God is being mean to me. I don't think that he's being unfair. I think that he's trying to prove a point to me. Okay, great. You're here. Come back again tomorrow. <laughs> Come back again tomorrow. Yeah. Come back again tomorrow. You know, it's, it's like when, when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Oh, hey, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, just in case you don't get it, do you love me? Yeah, okay, then go feed. Like, I'm kind of in, like, I think I need the repetitive message of, okay, come back tomorrow. Just just keep keep the repetition up. Make this a habit. Show me some dedication. And, and that's, that's kind of where I've landed on, on that, right? So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. It's like, even if you don't hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Like, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Because what, what makes a relationship stronger? Consistency. Showing up. Putting in the work. Being committed when the other person is not. And that's not saying God isn't committed. God is always committed. I'm the one that's not. He shows up daily when I'm off doing whatever it is that I feel like I should be doing. And, you know, um, I think it's, I think it's very, what, what, what I'm going through right now is I'm trying to not be the uncommitted one in the relationship. And I think that God notices that, but I also think that God is not going to, um, how do I say this? I'm not a baby. He's going to make me be an adult about this. And that mm -hmm. is going to require time and dedication and patience. And I think that's totally fair. And honestly, probably generous because if he just showed up and was like, Oh, let me tell you all these things. Like it would be such an enabling. Oh, I can just disappear for the next six months and then come back and this will happen again. No, be committed. Be 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 an equal partner in the commitment and desire of this relationship. So, that's where I'm at, Dave. Yeah, and you know, two things came to my mind as you were saying that. I completely agree with one. If you read the book, the Bible from the Bible from cover to cover, I think one of the things that if you're you're paying attention and you read it honestly. It is how patient God is yeah. and how forgiving he is and his grace and his mercy. I, from Old Testament to New Testament, everything. If you read it and you... you um, the word that's coming to my mind is, is arch. I don't know if that's a literary term. I don't know if that's a real thing. But just kind of the, the story arch of the entire Bible is just how patient God is, how loving he is, how gracious he is, how merciful he is. And then the second thing that you said is just that I think we get we can get, and we've talked about this before on, on, on so many different levels and so many different ways of just that we get consumed with I have to be good and I have to do the right thing, <laughs> and, and we can't. And it's just what you said. It is showing up day in, day out, and even as you say, even as I say day in and day out, that may be you have a week 
weeks, you may have months, maybe even years where you're not doing the day in and the day out. Um, but it is just a, sort of that continual of, I know God is who he says he is. I need him. And while I fail miserably, um, <laughs> on some level, I feel like that's all we can do is just simply show up. And so there's that consistency over our our 70 to 100 years, our 20 to 100 years that we spend on this earth of just showing up and acknowledging that he is God and that we are going to have those times where um, I don't know if our hearts are legitimately hardened, if it appears that they're hardened. I don't know how that, (laughs) again, I don't totally understand that. But um, we still return to him and we acknowledge our dependence on him, uh, submission to him. And it is not about doing the right thing all the time, even though we should Uh strive for that. So um, I'm going to shut up and quit talking. I agree with those two things right there. God is patient and we've got to show in, we got to show up day in and day out over the course of our life. Yeah. So let's let's jump ahead here to the last couple of verses, the last three verses, eleven, twelve, mm-hmm. and thirteen, because I think yep. while this was not while these verses were not the impetus for why we started this show almost six years ago, <laughs> this certainly resonates and under underlies the reason we started this show. Yeah. And it says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And that's just, it's an incredibly beautiful, powerful, evocative, illustrative explanation of the power and the the breadth and the depth and the life-giving nature of the Word of God. And we would not have started this podcast almost six years ago if we didn't believe this to be true, that the Bible was worth reading, that it was worth discussing, that it was worth debating, that it was worth engaging with, because what it says matters. And understanding the truth matters and understanding what God has to say about himself and about us matters. And I just, this is, this is honestly, uh, verse 12 is, is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible because it's, it's the Bible standing up for itself and saying, Hey, look, this is what I am and this is what I'm about, and this is what I can and will do. And it's um, it's been one of my favorites since I was a high schooler when I first read it. And it remains it remains that way today. Like I'm getting a bit emotional just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, you know, whether it's the people following Moses in the desert or if it's us today, um for me and i it, it, like if it, it's what's coming to mind is 
you can't fake it with God. <laughs> you know, you, you can't fake it. And so, but, but there should also kind of be a reassurance in that, in that if we truly desire to know him, to spend eternity with him, you know, even though we fall, even though we stumble, even though we mess up, we still come back to him. We desire him. We're longing for that, you know, and I think for me, um, that rest is being in a relationship with him. Um, whether that be our life here on earth, whether it be eternity, there's a peace, there's a rest that comes from being with him. And and so, yeah, the word of God, you know, it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And we can't fake it with him. And so... Um, he knows how much we really do desire him or don't desire him. And, you know, it's, it's always really interesting to me when I have conversations with people that just don't believe in God, that do not desire him. Because, one, it saddens me. Two, it's an eye-opener for, like, just that realization of, like, okay, <laughs> like, I can't even imagine being that place. Like, that's almost scary to me to be uh-huh. in that place of, like, just so adamant that God is not real. And even looking at uh-huh. people who believe in God and desire him as fools, you know, kind of that condescending, you know, if you've ever experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. And it's just um, when you're on the receiving end of it, it can be a little bit intimidating and it can be, you know, whatever. But then when you sort of step back and take that mile high perspective, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so incredibly sad that this person is just absolutely convinced that there's not a God. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, you can't fake it with him. He knows our hearts. And um, I believe for many, many of us who read his word, seek him, that is a good thing. Um even though we fail miserably so often. <laughs> or I fail miserably so often. I'm, I'm assuming that others, others like me. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that is what's most, that, that is most personal, is generally most universal. Um, I, I think there's, there's something to what you just said, right? That God, that God knows we can't fake it. He knows, like I was, um, we were just talking last week at youth group um, about the fact that we are created in God's image and that, you know, in the Psalms it says that God knew us and knit our most, you know, inward parts before we were even born. God knew us that, that he, you know, he, and he, he created us. We are in Ephesians it says that we are his workmanship, you know, and all of this. And it's like, well, yeah, he knows. And like one, my first thought is God, that's terrifying. Right. <laughs> Because, like, I know myself, and there's plenty about myself that I ignore or don't think is as bad as it is, right? Like, we get into that justification game, well, I'm not a, well, I'm not a murderer, right? You know, or I'm not as bad as this person or whatever, right? And we, we try to, we, we tend to think of ourselves in um, better light than we should, 
because that's, you know, self-preservation, right? Some of us do, and some of us beat the crap out of ourselves and treat ourselves way too harshly. But, but God is the one that knows us truly and yet chose to save us. You know, Scripture says that while we were still his enemies, God died for the ungodly. Like, it wasn't because we got good enough. It wasn't because we were funny enough or good-looking enough or smart enough or we knew the Bible enough or we said the right prayer enough times or we were born into the right family in the right city, went to the right college, whatever other qualifier you want to put on it. God died for us while we were still his enemies because he's just that stinking good. Yeah. And so while my first instinct is that God knows the, the inmost part of my being in my heart and my motivations, while my first thought is that terrifies me, my second thought is, oh my gosh, he knows all of that and still died so that I could be part of his family. Like if that doesn't just bring you to your knees yeah, and make you thankful, I don't know what else will, to be frank. <laughs> that is true. Yes. You know, Absolutely. and that's I mean, one of, one of the parts of the Bible for me that, you know, as it says here, pierces to the division of soul and spirit, the joints and a mirror to those places in our bodies that are so, so intertwined and so close. And so like discerning the thoughts and intentions, like who, like how can you get to the point where thoughts and intentions are, are different? How can you separate? It it is so minuscule and atomic, you know, not necessarily on a biological level. It is with joints and marrow, right? But soul and spirit, thoughts and intentions, that's a level of discernment that only God can have. I I can't separate my thoughts and intentions. I can say that's an intention, that's a thought, and everything in between is I don't know where that belongs. There's too muddied. And, you know, that, that, that thought that I just had about God knowing my, my innermost thoughts in, 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 you know, my desires and my intentions and my motivations and my temptations and my sin and knowing all of that and still being able to separate that from my soul in my worth as being a, his son created in his image. The fact that he can separate those and, and send Jesus to die for the crap to redeem what God intended me to be all along. The fact that he can separate those and I can't and that he chooses yeah. to do so like, come on. This is where I need an air horn, Dave. <laughs> like, not only can God separate those things and redeem the broken parts and uplift the good parts and bring it all together, and he chooses to do so. Because it's one thing to have the power. It's another thing to choose to use the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does both. Yep. And that's just, Man. I think I could go run a couple miles right now. And that's <laughs> saying something. <laughs> I'm pumped up, man. I am pumped up. Well. That's all I got to say about that. I think we're just going to call it right there. <laughs> we're going to pull the parachute on this one and come to a screeching halt. Yeah. I, no, I'm with you on that. 
and land safely at the end of the episode. Friends, thank you so much for taking uh, your time and listening to this 174th edition of the Masterclass. We are, uh, we're just, again, we're grateful for, uh, for your time, for your willingness to, uh, to listen. And, um, if you want to engage with us, that would be awesome. Again, all the links are in the show notes. If you're, if you've listened to the show before, you know where it's at. If you haven't, I'm about to tell you show notes are in your podcast player of choice, or you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash one seven four. And all the show notes will be listed for you there. That's links to all the good stuff we talked about as long as, as well as links to, uh, email, Twitter, and uh, phone number. So you have multiple ways to get in contact to uh, ask questions, to offer corrections or suggestions. Um, all of those are welcomed and uh, we look forward to those. And I think that's going to do it for us, Dave. I do too. All right, folks. Thanks again. And we'll be back next time. Be good. Bye.